0: Who are the top five transfers going to be for Michigan State football this upcoming season? Also, what will Michigan State's opponent's record be going into each game against the Spartans? And then where is the worst possible place for Michigan State to play? Well, unfortunately, we don't have to really think too hard about that one. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to today's show of Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white five days a week leading up to kickoff. And of course, during the season, yeah, five days a week as well. If you ever want to reach out, lockedonspartans at gmail.com is the best place to find us. And hey, before we get into the bulk of this show here, please rate, review, and subscribe, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on podcasts. First of all, thank you very much for tuning in. Second of all, yeah, go ahead and leave that like, subscribe, rate us five stars if you're feeling pretty good today. But hey, let's get into the show here. We're going to have some new faces here in East Lansing on the football field this upcoming fall. Many of them instant impact players. We're going to go through the top five list in order of, hey, what are we going to expect from the cream of the crop of these transfers? We're going to go to five. We're going to end at one. Pretty uh, pretty easy premise to understand, I would hope so. Number five, not offense. Nope, not defense. No, 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 certainly not. That's right. Kicking. Kicking the ball. We learned how important that was last year, not just for field goals. We, <laughs> oh boy, did we learn... How important that is in East Lansing last year. But let's let's just start with kickoffs, okay? Because Jonathan Kim, he comes here from North Carolina. Two years left at Michigan State with eligibility. And, hey, Mel Tucker said as much not too long ago that the ball jumps off of his foot like it's a rocket under those cleats. Uh, hey, let's talk about Michigan State here for a second before we start talking about Jonathan Kim some more. Our Spartans on kickoffs of kickoffs went for touchbacks. That was second worst in the Big Ten. Only Northwestern was worse than that. All right, the opponents for Michigan State, well, they had the second most return yards in the conference. The only team that had more return yards against them was Ohio State. Okay, that's because they also kicked off the ball almost twice as much as Michigan State did. So, yeah, that's a long way of saying that. Well, Michigan State... Not a lot of touchbacks, but a lot of return yards against them last year. Okay, how about you go down to North Carolina. You go fishing in the transfer portal for Jonathan Kim. In 36 games at North Carolina, 79% uh, touchback rate. All right, that is amongst the best in the ACC, amongst the best in the nation. And also, well, why did he leave North Carolina To get a shot somewhere at kicking field goals. Because down in North Carolina, save for one extra point two years ago, he really didn't get any opportunities to get field goals under his belt. Come up to Michigan State, where field goal kicking was 50% last year, and we also missed two extra points. He's going to get a shot there as well. But hey, if not for nothing else, we're going to get a good kickoff guy. Now let's go to the offensive side all the ball here for number 4. We're going to go to a guy who, if you followed recruiting in the late D'Antonio years, well, you were excited about this kid because it looked like MSU was going to nab him back in, what, 2019 or 2020 before he took his prep year, but it is Alante Brown. Yes, by way of Nebraska, where, you know, he just had 16 catches last year, just 191 yards, but in 10 starts. Why are we so excited about this kid coming up to East Lansing? Well, hey, he's a former four-star, all right? He's 22 years old going in to this season, and they've used words like explosive in East Lansing to describe how he's been in practice. Caden Hauser said that, quote, he's a burner, and Michigan State, when they were in the spring transfer portal window, Keon Coleman just left, obviously Jaden Reed just left. You have a receiver room that you feel kind of okay about, a lot of unproven guys, but young guys, guys that are going to get their shot. Everyone has a different set of tools that are going to make them special on the field, but they're really, we're missing, huh, where's like our straight up speed guy? Someone that could just go streaking down the sideline, especially, hey, if we have a good run game this year, set up some play action, kind of like what we did in 2021. That's where Michigan State made a lot of hay in the passing game. Where is our speed guy? They tried to nab a few of those guys in the in the portal in the spring, and they landed on Elante Brown. So again, hey, if the run game is what it is supposed to be this season a strength for the offense? That could be Elante Brown's time to shine. Again, not a lot of stats. Over at Nebraska, just 16 catches, 191 yards last year, has yet to be in the end zone in his collegiate career. But, I mean, I'm also not going to slight a kid for having, like, an underwhelming start to his career in Nebraska. Some, some, some issues... Far beyond just the wide receiver position going on down there. So, hey, hopefully a fresh start for Elante Brown means great things for this offense as well. Now, number three, switching sides of the ball here. We're going into the trenches out of Colorado. A kid that Mel Tucker coached when he was at Colorado for his one year, Jalen Sami. Six-year senior, 36-game starter for the Buffs down in Colorado. And a former All-Pac-12 Honorable Mention guy. Mel Tucker said this about Jalen Sami when he hit the portal. Quote, when he hit the portal, literally there was some running in the hallway, running, trying to get it done. This was a massive priority for the Spartans. Because, hey, Mel Tucker talked about this at Big Ten Media Day, that they had to beef up on the defensive line. Okay, how about... Six foot six, three hundred thirty pounds worth of beef with Jalen Sami. He is great at swallowing two offensive linemen in the run game. If he's not tackling the running back, he's taking a lot of the lanes away, a lot of the attention of the offensive line. So, well, our great run stopping linebackers can get in there and clean up the mess. You don't think Cal Halliday is a good run stopping linebacker? Jacoby Windman, for that matter. Like this is a big asset for Michigan State. Like I said. 36-game starter at Colorado. It'll be interesting to see if he can crack the starting lineup in East Lansing. They already do have Simeon Barrow. They do have Derek Harmon. But just if he's not a quote-unquote starter, he's going to be getting a lot of run. He will be getting as many reps as a starter would usually have. So Jalen Sami, late addition to the transfer portal. Absolute home run, though, by Michigan State. Number two, friend of the program, actually. We had him on this show not too long ago in the offseason. Nathan... Carter, hey, just like the defensive line, maybe a little undersized last year, lacking a little bit of power, you could say the same with the run game last year. A lot of stalling out in short yardage situations, the 3rd and 2s of the world, the 4th and 1s of the world. Lord knows, and MSU fans know, that there were some issues there. So, hey, they just go out and get Nathan Carter, where, again, if you have looked at any picture of his workouts Uh, That is a hulking individual right there. And it's not just the glitz and the glam of Instagram pictures. No, no, no. He's got the numbers to back it up. Last year, averaged over six yards per carry at UConn. Very short season for him, though. Just four games before he left the season with a shoulder injury. But in those four games, led the nation in yards after contact. And again, if you just see a... Single picture of him, you would understand why. So it's going to be a drastic change in the run game this year for Michigan State. A weakness of theirs last year. I expect it to be a strength for the Spartans this year. And one of the reasons is because of Nathan Carter. Now number one, number one, uh, also ranked number one on this team as far as difficulty of pronunciation, it is Texas A&M transfer Tumiche God, I hope I said that somewhat right. We'll, we'll get that right by week six, I think, is when we're really going to start hammering that home. But regardless, this is a former top 50 recruit. Some recruiting sites had him rated as five stars, others as a really highly rated four star. But that six foot four, 290-pound defensive lineman is special. And it's special because you could just call him a defensive lineman. You don't have to call him a tackle, you don't have to call him an edge, not a defensive end, because he can play... Every position on the line. He actually just talked last week how, hey, they have him working anywhere from zero to nine on that defensive line. And what that means is, hey, sometimes he's lined up right over the center. I can see that being a great asset in passing downs. Call it a third and ten. Get a pretty quick and agile to me say Adelaide up the middle while you have speed guys on the outside. Or, hey, if it's your standard down, Well, that's a pretty good defensive end to have right there. So, yeah, top 20 player in the portal, according to The Athletic, and just versatile all over the map, excited to see what we got from him. Now, really quick, honorable mentions. I did not mention Keyshawn Blackstock because technically he was a recruit He's the number one uh, rated interior offensive lineman amongst junior college kids. So if you wanted to include him, I would have him maybe in the middle, uh, just maybe right in front of Jalen Sami if you wanted to count him as a transfer technically. But... He's he's a recruit. Uh, Ty Neal Hopper, tight end out of Boise State. It'll be interesting to see uh, how many times he can get on the field. It's a very crowded tight end room. Uh, Samar Melvin, Terry Roberts, both guys that are coming from other Big Ten schools at the cornerback position, have not really played a lot. But, hey, if it's the middle of October... And my, my God, these guys are actually playing and are doing it adequately. Yeah, that could be nice as well. And another guy who is here for short yardage running situations, Jaron Mangum as well. So you got some good honorable mentions there as well, gang. We will be right back diving headfirst into the mailbag, but first need to talk your ears off about Nutrafol. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? God, that number is probably closer to 100% if you're a college sports fan, but hey, it is normal, and it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair health, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz. Identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole Body wellness. So take that first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to slash men and enter promo code LOCKED ON COLLEGE. That is all one word, LOCKED ON COLLEGE. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Neutrophil.com slash men spelled N U T R A F O L dot com slash men and enter promo code locked on college. That's neutrophil.com slash men promo code locked on college. All right, we're going to dive headfirst into the mailbag here and Dare Bear writes us a question. Tell us, actually. Not really a question, a demand from Dare Bear. Tell us what you think each opponent's record will be when they play us. Absolutely, positively love that prompt, Dare Bear. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to go out on a limb here for Week 1 and guess uh, Central Michigan, 0-0. I, I don't think that they'll take a loss in the offseason here. Let's go to Richmond. I think the Spiders will be 1-0 after beating Morgan State. That's right, Morgan State, 4-7 last year in Richmond. I mean, they were a pretty formidable FCS team last year. This isn't some slouch FCS team coming to East Lansing. 1 0 after they dispatch Morgan State. Now, Washington, I think, will be 2 0. They start off against Boise State. They start off against Tulsa, both home games in Seattle. And, God, if this game was just five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I, that would be a really enticing game against the Boise State Broncos. But right now, Washington, 15.5. Point favorites in that game, so I think pretty comfortably we could say the Huskies will be two and zero as they come to East Lansing. Now Maryland, wow, uh, they've, they've they've dealt themselves quite the nice hand here for the non conference schedule. They get Towson, mighty Towson, then they get Charlotte, and then they get Virginia. Now if you're not hip to what kind of a season Virginia is about to have, they were picked to finish dead last in the ACC by their media. So yeah, Virginia going to be a long season. So Maryland, a big game in East Lansing to end September. The Terps will probably be 3 and 0 going into that game. Now we go to at Iowa. I believe the Hawkeyes will be 3 and 1. All right. They do have an interesting game on the road at Iowa State. That is a great rivalry and right now Iowa is 3 point road favorites. Essentially a coin toss for that one. However, the week before they play Michigan State, and this could help our Spartans because Penn State is a really good, tough, physical team. Maybe they beat up on the Hawkeyes, have the boys in black and yellow feel in black and blue for the game against the Spartans. But yes, I think the only loss Iowa will have is going to be at Penn State the week prior. Now, at Rutgers... I'm going to go three and three here, which sounds crazy because their win total, according to FanDuel, is just three and a half. So I have them getting pretty much way like just on the doorstep of hitting that over almost immediately in their season. But their games are Northwestern, Temple, Virginia Tech, Michigan, Wagner, and Wisconsin. Let's go ahead and give me Northwestern. I I think that's going to be a long, long season for the Wildcats. Give me the Temple game as a win for them, and then I think they do take care of Wagner. So three and three on the season. Next up for Michigan State, Michigan. And by the way, they're talking this offseason, they they better be winning all of these games by at least 45 points uh, because, look, I I understand confidence. They are going to be a really good team this year, but whoo, you talk about putting dip on your chip. Uh, Look, the Michigan Wolverines, Going into Spartan Stadium, they have seven bye weeks, essentially. Uh, It's a MHSAA Division VI level non-conference schedule for the Wolverines. And then they go to Nebraska and then to Minnesota. That could be spicy in Lincoln, but I think Matt Rule has a long way to go with that Huskers program. Yes, he can turn programs around. He's built a whole career on doing it that just usually takes, like, two or three years for Matt Rule to get it done. And Minnesota, a lot of question marks, so I think Wolverines 7-0 and 0 in their date with the Spartans. Now, after that, at Minnesota, I think the Gophers will be 4-3. and 3. They have a tough schedule. They go to North Carolina, home versus Michigan, and at Iowa the week before Michigan State. But I think they beat Nebraska, Eastern Michigan, Northwestern, and Louisiana. So I'm pretty confident in four and three there. Now, the Corn Huskers, when they visit East Lansing, I think, hey, let's go four and four. Uh, again, a total. Total redo project for Nebraska down there after the Scott Frost era. But I still think they get wins over Colorado, who also has a reclamation project on their hands. Wins against Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, Northwestern, but losses to Minnesota, Michigan, Illinois, Purdue. So 4-4 four and four. at Ohio State. This might be the boldest I have, but I think it'll be 9-1 Ohio State. I want to call my shot either at Notre Dame, which will be a great game in mid to late September, or, hey, I mean the Penn State game is at home, but I am very high on Penn State this year. They do have questions. Who's going to be starting at quarterback this year? Do they have that toughness that they did have in the Urban Meyer era? So far no, not really. So give me 9-1 and one for that one. At Indiana, I think the Hoosiers will be 3-7. and seven, Wins against Indiana State. Akron, catch a flyer against Rutgers, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be a great season for Tom Allen down in Bloomington. And then Penn State, give me 10 and 1. Now, they got tough games. They have home against Michigan, but they go on the road to Ohio State. They're non-conference, please. I, they will have no problem through that, starting with the Western Virgi- sorry, Western Virginia, West Virginia game right there. But give me the loss at Ohio State, win against Michigan, 10-1 and one going into Ford Field. Just need a win to go to Indianapolis, and boy, it would be a real shame if Michigan State and the fighting Spartans took down the Nittany Lions. That would God, should be a, a Thanksgiving delight. Uh, thank you very much, Dare Bear, for that question. Uh, Andrew writes in a trio of questions. Where is the worst place MSU could ever choose to play on the road? Andrew, I I swear to you, I'm not trying to be funny, I'm not doing a bit right now, but uh, I would say on the road to Tempe, Arizona in early to mid-September for a 10 p.m. kickoff, uh, I would say at Arizona State is just about the worst place that you could pick for Michigan State. You got a lot of factors there. And luckily, we saw that not too long ago. I was there in person, gotta say. Hey, great trip. Tempe, beautiful place. A lot of fun over there. Awesome trip. Minus the three and a half hours, and that three and a half hour span just happened to be the football game that we were all there for. Look, you're flying across multiple time zones, and hey, even pro teams struggle with that. College teams, well, you guys know the track record with the Big Ten flying over to Pac-12 country. It ain't good. Also, how about a smooth 107 degrees at kickoff? I could not believe how hot it was, even when the sun wasn't out in Tempe. It was unbelievable. And then the 10 p.m. kickoff has a nice cherry on top. No, it's at Arizona State is the worst place that you could possibly visit if you are a Big Ten team, such as Michigan State. Uh, Now, Andrew also writes in, which other NCAA football team reminds you of MSU. I don't think, actually, we have to travel too far. And this is a polarizing uh, school that I'm about to compare us to. Some state fans love this school. Other fans do not care for this school at all. But it is across Lake Michigan. I think there's some similarities with Wisconsin. Now, I'm not necessarily talking plain style or anything like that. I'm just talking just how you are perceived in the college football realm, your your recent history, if you will. And I think, look, I mean, there's a similar timeline for Michigan State and Wisconsin's rise to dominance. The early 2010s, you know, the middle 2010s, they did really well. A lot of double-digit win seasons as well. And then, well, recently kind of faltered and trying to work their way back up. But the way they did it on the field A little different. I mean, Wisconsin storied program for offensive line play and running the ball. But however, off the field, how they built that success? I mean, hey, a lot of three-star kids. A lot of diamond-in-the-rough players, just like, well, the Mark D'Antonio era did. And now, well, flipping the page to the Luke Fickle era, just like Michigan State did with the Mel Tucker era. So I think there's a lot of similarities between our Spartans and the Badgers over there on the other side of the lake. Now, if that leaves a bad taste in your mouth... You want a non-Big Ten school? I think Ole Miss is what I'm going to go with. Ole Miss just because, hey, I mean, the takeover for Lane Kiffin, right at the same time as Mel Tucker at Michigan State, also kind of having to do it the same way, very active in the transfer portal. They are in the middle of a region. Well, that has a lot of great teams around them that makes recruiting a little harder than usual, but despite all those hurdles, still putting together solid classes but struggling to find a identity on the field uh, because, look, I mean, Lane Kiffin storied for his architecture of the Alabama offenses, you know, like just good passing teams. But at Ole Miss, pretty run heavy the last two years. So I mean, it's it's interesting too because over here at Michigan State. We don't really know the identity of our Spartans just yet. I mean, I, I've been saying all offseason that I think it's going to be a ground-and-pound team. Maybe that progresses into the future with the strong offensive line recruiting Michigan State has. So, yeah, but Old Miss, just because, you know, just how they have to rebound their program, the way they're doing it, the challenges that they have, I think the running Rebels is another good comparison. Uh, now... Were they just the Rebels? No, I think, yeah, UNLV's the running Rebels. Ole Miss is just the Rebels. Yeah, apologies for that. Uh, over, under on stadium beers per game, Andrew writes in. We're going to set the over, under right at two on the dot because I could just see, hey, if it's if it's a Richmond game, we're just chilling, we're having a good time. I could just see a one beer. You know, it's just, just like a nice $18 Oberon in the 40th row of Section 14 at Spartan Stadium. But if it's a stressful game... Like, let's say, oh boy, this game against Nebraska is getting a little hairy like it did a few years ago. We could be just railroading right by that number of two and, you know, getting up there to five or six and really opening up a tab at this concession stand that's going to pay for new stadium lights or a renovation on the east side of the stadium. So, beneficial for the program, but yeah, uh, maybe slightly alarming. But yeah, I think two is a good over-under to have every single game. Now we got this email uh, on Friday morning is when I cracked this open. Uh, they did not leave a name, they only left their email address, so I'm not gonna you know name the email address just in case they didn't want their name read. But however, they wrote into locked on at gmail.com and they write. Will the move to the mega conferences be boom or bust? I think it will reduce the number of fans in the stands. However, it might improve TV viewership. Personally, I prefer to watch college players rather than the professionals these guys have become. This is probably my last season as a season ticket holder. I hear Mason High has a fun team to watch. Fire up Bulldogs. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you very much for that email. And look, here is what I'm not going to do. When we answer that question, I'm not going to sit here and act like you are insane for thinking all these things. For thinking that this drastic change is way too over the top and it is too much, too fast. Because, I mean, hey, I hate change too. And it is also very hard, if not just outright impossible, to argue that NCAA football is not just professional football at this point. I I have yet to hear an argument that is even close to convincing. Uh, look, NIL is out of control. And I'm not necessarily talking about the amount that these players are getting, even though, like, okay, we could have a conversation about that, but I'm talking, like, there are no guardrails around it. And also, that makes, well, for a free agency that's crazier than the NFL, because at least in the NFL, you have a contract to abide by. College kids with NIL... Like, they could just get up and leave whenever. I, we just maybe just saw that in East Lansing. I mean, everyone has their different theories about what happened with Keon Coleman and Peyton Thorn. But, look, it happens all over the country. Uh, conferences are being blown up for TV dollars and only TV dollars. But here, this is what I will do to answer this question. I think it will be boom for Michigan State. Now, look, MSU is one of the fortunate schools. They're not seeing their conference dissolve into madness here. And even if it did get to, like, three mega conferences where just the top 60 teams were invited, MSU, by revenue, by TV ratings, they are squarely in the top 60. Like, I I don't think... Let me knock on wood here. I don't think, like, MSU would have to sweat about being one of the 60 teams invited there. So, with that said, Michigan State is already comfortably in a conference. They are going to get massive TV dollars, which I have to say, like, let me just take a timeout here. I have to say like that is one of the funnier things that us fans do is talk about like how much money our schools are going to be making as if like we get a cut of that check. But like hey, I mean it's money that goes to the place that we love. So who are we to argue it? But it is going to make for some pretty nice matchups here. I mean the the conference games of Oregon versus Penn State. Yes, yeah, sign me up. USC versus Ohio State, sure. That sounds like a great time or even like the quirky games like Oregon traveling the country to Piscataway to play Rutgers. Or, hey, here's a storied program in USC visiting West Lafayette. Like, that. that's just going to be fun to watch. And I don't think that's going to necessarily go away because, I mean, with 18, maybe soon to be 20 teams in your conference, it's not like these will be quote-unquote common games. I mean, USC might only be visiting, let's say, Illinois, call it, once every four years, once every five years. I mean, there's a lot of teams for a eight- or nine-game conference schedule, whatever they're going to decide on. So, yeah, it's going to be boom, though, just because of everything that Michigan State has. And, hey, I, I, it's just going to make for better, more exciting football, because if there was one knock to have on how college football was, especially in the last few years, it's that, well, these non-conference games suck. <laughs> these are terrible non-conference games. Well, how can you buff that? You, you force the, the better schools like your Oregon's, like your Washington's, your UCLA's, or USC's to come into a conference so, hey, you get more of those powerful matchups. Now, to take us home, Edward writes in, For a big TV night game, what is your daily routine to get you in the right frame of mind? Let's use October 21st, this upcoming season, as our example. The night game against that school down the road. Now look, I will not be at that game. I'm very sorry to say I will not be at that game because, hey, it's my kid's birthday. Um, We will also just have a kid that's going to be maybe a month old. It might be a little hard to scoot away from the house. And also I've been banned, well, from buying D batteries at every warehouse in the Tri-County area. So I'd be showing up to this game empty-handed anyway. Uh, But look, what I will be doing to get myself fired up for this game, first and foremost lying to myself all day that I'm fine and I'm not thinking about the game way too much and that no everyone calm down like it's 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 okay it's going fine it's it's great actually I know oh game yeah I keep forgetting about that game like no so we do that first we lie to ourselves about how much this is ruining our actual day god I remember it was the senior night game for basketball 2019 against Michigan if MSU wins they win a Big Ten banner if they don't well, no banner, and they lose to their rivals. I did not eat until maybe I think it was 7:45 p.m. that day. I was a nervous wreck. So, hey, very similar to how this game will probably go coming up. And that's that's not me like bragging about like, oh look how long I went without eating. Like, no, that's a that's a that's a cry for help. That's that's not healthy behavior that should be championed. But I'm going to be honest. That's how that day is going to go this year. Now, look, if MSU is underdogs which they will be for this game, and any other night game where MSU is underdogs, I watched the earlier games. Now, here's the sixth thing. This year, Duke plays at Florida State in the afternoon. All right? Duke will be underdogs. I will watch that game. And if Duke wins, great! There's always that weekend in the college football year where everything blows up. Underdogs win everywhere. So I will watch the Blue Devils beat the Seminoles, and I will think to myself, this is the week. This is it. Mojo is going the underdog's way. Our Spartans are going to go into this game ready to roll. But, hey, if Duke gets smashed by the Seminoles, for example, okay, great. You know what? Odds are, you know, only like one underdog hits, you know, per week. Only one crazy like two and a half touchdown underdog hits per week. And, well, it's not the Duke Blue Devils. It'll just be our Michigan State Spartans. So, yeah, I know it made absolutely zero sense, but hey, not a lot makes sense in this brain, especially on game day, especially, especially on big games. So yeah, that's how we're going to be tackling things. Here to come in uh, October, November, September for the Washington game, I'll be doing a lot of the same thing. Heck, even that Maryland game, because that's going to be a big one as well. So there you have it. Again, locked on Spartans at gmail.com. If you ever want to reach out, thank you guys all so much. We will be back tomorrow and every other day this week. You already know, Locked on Spartans. Love you all. Go Green.